You're listening to the CXMH Podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Welcome back to CXMH. My name is Dr. Holly Oxhandler, and I am joined today, as always, by my lovely co-host, Robert Vohr. Hey, Robert. Hey, Holly. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. We are also excited to be joined by our dear friend, Stephen Roach, today, who is going to talk with us about creativity and faith and mental health. And so Stephen is a ho- or is the host of the Makers and Mystics podcast and founder of the Breath and the Clay Creative Arts Organization. He is a published author, keynote speaker, and multi-instrumentalist with a background in ethnomusicology and film composition. He has penned five volumes of poetry, an illustrated children's book, a practical guide for artists, and his most recent book, Naming the Animals, An Invitation to Creativity, published by Square Halo Books. Stephen lives in North Carolina with his wife, Sarah, and children. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here with you. Oh, man. It is such a gift to get to be here with huh. you. I'm so, <laughs> yeah. so excited. Yes. Well, is there anything that I missed in your fancy bio there that um, <laughs> um, that you want to add or share with our guests? Yes. I'm a hot sauce connoisseur extraordinaire. Ooh. I ride mountain bikes and... I like long baths. <laughs> oh, that's cool. very awesome. important. That is important. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. Do you ever, yes. uh, what's the best hot sauce if you need to eat in the bath? Oh, you oh, know, that gosh. might be, that might be a new experience. I've never combined those two creative elements, but I think you're onto something there. Um, oh, there you go. Next time. Yeah. He's going to schedule that for later today. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, one of the reasons that I was so excited for you to come and join us um, on the show is because I have loved following the work that you've done around this intersection of art and faith and culture and the wisdom that you have elevated and offered yourself to us over the years, um, particularly through the Makers and Mystics podcast. But I know you have a number of other creative endeavors that you're involved in as well. Mm-hmm. So to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into this line of work at the intersection of art, faith, and culture? Sure. Well, you know, I jokingly tell people a lot that I was condemned to be a musician from the start because I have music on both sides of my family. My father was a third generation Appalachian fiddle player and my mom was one of 15 kids and they were all bluegrass pickers. And so, Mm. you know, so I came into the world surrounded by music, surrounded by art. And, you know, I've I've always recognized art as being inherently spiritual, you know, Mm. before I even knew what language I wanted to put around that. But I knew that art had the ability to elevate you above the ordinary, to cause you to experience life in a deeper way, to unlock your emotions, to see the world differently, you know. And so Mm -hmm. when I began exploring the Christian faith, it became a curiosity to me to learn how art functioned in that context. But, you know, the more that I studied, I learned that art, in my view, was either largely misunderstood or overlooked or sometimes squashed into a utilitarian purpose Mm. that really diminished the greater capacity of art, you know? And so it, it became a lifelong study just for me personally to understand how those two worlds intersected. And then that grew into a mission for me to kind of find out or to mine out some of the original intent for art and creativity, and then to share that with others who may be exploring a similar path as my own, you know, and, mm-hmm. and especially for those that may have walked away from the faith because they couldn't see a way to flourish in that context or they couldn't find how art and faith connected, it was really important for me to begin showing people that they do in fact connect deeply. Yeah, Mm. oh, I love that. 
I love that so much. I know, I think I had shared with you when you and I had a, a recording on on your podcast and we talked about art and um, some of my background with having a minor in studio art and how mm-hmm. that interplayed, but then also the art as it relates to research and like just all these, you know, different ways of seeing how it shows up in the world. But but I especially love what you had just elevated around that it's not just this utilitarian approach that it just gets squashed into, but, you know, art for the sake of art and creativity for the sake of creativity and how that, you know, weaves into the human experience is just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, I, I love, I love the ways that you continue to keep this at the forefront of our minds um, through mm-hmm. the work that you do. Huh. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's been my conviction for a long time that creativity is not just for the professional artist, right? Mm. You know, creativity is a foundational part of what makes us human. And that's that's a much broader conversation there. But I, I love seeing creativity flourish in every part of who we are, whether you consider yourself an artist or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that leads really well into a question that I wanted to ask. I was thinking as you were talking, right, because I think for maybe a lot of folks listening, they might say, okay, well, I'm not really a a creative, right, as like that kind of label. And I know maybe uh, the three of us, right, I I, my undergrad is actually in music as well, right? So like I know uh, we have some art stuff, Mm -hmm. creative stuff in the background. But for a lot of folks listening, maybe they say, okay, well, I'm not really like a creative, you know, I'm doing some air quotes here. (laughs) So can you Talk to us a little bit when you say, you know, it's kind of inherent to the human experience. When you talk about being creative and art and things like that, kind of how you just said it's not for, you know, just for the professional artist, you mean something broader than, okay, if you are really good at painting or something, right? Like you mean kind of a, mm-hmm. a broader definition there, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I have often said to people that creativity is not a talent, but it's a way of being, you know, mm. and, and, you can be creative in the way you run your business. You can be creative in the way you love your family. You can be creative in the way you design the dinner table, in the way that you parent your children, you know? And for me, creativity is a way of seeing the world and interacting with the world. It's it's bringing a positive change in whatever realm of influence you have. And that can be something as simple as a smile or it can be something as large as making a masterpiece in some in some realm. But for me, creativity is really the outworking of our own human nature. And, and what I mean by that is like, you know, birds sing melodies, but they don't create symphonies, you know. Mm. And there's something uniquely distinct about human creativity as opposed to some of the things that we might see in the animal kingdom and other parts of creation but there's something unique about human creativity that for me i believe it's a reflection of being created in the image of god and so Mm -hmm. when we are creative we're really expressing one of the most fundamental aspects of our nature so i've i've said to people what I'm speaking when I'm speaking before I've said okay so how many of you have said I'm not one of those creative types you know and I'll usually get a, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. several people you know raise their hand in the room and I say okay we're gonna pause and I'm gonna give you a few minutes to repent <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome <laughs> you know <laughs> you know but I I say it playfully but I really do mean we often cut ourselves short or we diminish ourselves because we're limited in the way that we understand creativity. If we think Mm -hmm. creativity means I'm an incredible painter or I can sing like Mariah Carey or somebody, then we never explore the creative parts of what's been put inside of us, you know? Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's good. It reminds me, we had Allison Fallon on a, a while back, and her book was about writing and, and things like that. And I think she did something similar where she said, I often ask, you know, a room full of people, who considers themselves a writer? And most people don't raise their hands. She said, okay, who writes a tweet? Who writes an email? Who sends mm-hmm. a text? Okay, you're, you are a writer. You write things. And kind of just broadening that definition then, because we tend to think, okay, if I do that thing for money, maybe, right? Or something along that, like there's a bar there. And mm-hmm. like you're saying, 
that's not necessarily, I mean, you, we're all creating things like pretty much all the time. You make food, you make documents, you, I mean, right? Like, and so just leaning into that and saying like, no, there's no bar for being creative to where you're in or you're out, right? That's just kind of part of who we are. Exactly, exactly. And I, I love a story about George Washington Carver that I share at the end of the Naming the Animals book. And he was asking, you know, in his prayers, he called God Mr. Creator. Mm. And uh, he would say, he said, Mr. Creator, show me the mysteries of the oak tree. I think something like that is the way it went. And the response he got was, well, you're not ready for that yet. Why don't we start with the peanut? And so then he begins to explore the peanut and research the peanut. And, you know, he came up with over 300 different uses for the peanut, which just, it was all born out of a curiosity to explore. And I think that is at the heart of all creativity is cultivating a curiosity and cultivating this inquisitive nature that says, well, what if, or what about that? And, and from that over 300 uses of the peanut, you know, different kinds of rubber, oils, and et cetera, et cetera. And that's an example of creativity being used outside of the fine arts or outside of music. But it was something as simple as exploring what mystery you might find inside of something as small as a peanut. Oh, that's so good. And it really does, I mean, it really does help us to see how this is relevant for each of us, regardless of the the ways that we interact with the world. As you said, that creativity is a way of seeing the world and interacting the world with exactly. the world. And so, and and as you were talking about, you know, just that example with the peanut, it reminded me, I, I'm going to have to go back and find what episode it was, but I remember there was an episode that you had that I ended up sharing with all of my faculty mm. because I wanted my faculty to, to be reminded of the creativity in the work that they do as, as educators, as mm. researchers, as social workers. And so it really is so beautifully relevant and soul nourishing for us yes. to reconnect with the creativity in what it is that we do. Mm -hmm. So yes. I love that. <laughs> well, I I would love to hear, you know, I think we've kind of started going into this, talking about that overlap between creativity and faith. And you've talked about how the, you know, the creator is creating, you know, and that we bear that image of God within us and, you know, kind of flows out through the ways that we create. But I would love to hear, you know, what are some things that you've learned from, you know, either your experience or from some of the stories that you've heard over the years, you know, within Makers and Mystics or through the work that you've done with the, the Breath and the Clay? Like, what are some some stories that kind of stand out to you? Yeah. Well, you know, the, the podcast is really just an excuse for me to connect with all the people that I admire. <laughs> mm -hmm. I understand that. <laughs> that resonates. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, but, you know, like I said, this, this whole journey f began as a curiosity and then it grew into a mission. And so part of my connecting with other folks pursuing these things is is really just a development of okay what else can i learn okay what about this person's perspective okay what do they think and then often i'm like okay who could i have on the show that disagrees with me who could i bring mm -hmm. on the show that maybe thinks totally different than me or doesn't come from the same worldview that i have but it's been so beautiful that over the years of this work I've learned that creativity really is an intersection point, both for people that would identify as an artist of faith and, mm -hmm. or people that would identify as being part of a faith community and then people that would not. Like creativity seems to embody this common good that even if we disagree on so many other things, it brings us together in this intersection point where we recognize that Again, art and creativity has the ability to lift the human spirit. It has the ability to cause us to encounter something much larger than ourselves, regardless of what language we may put on that. Mm. There, there's a common ground that I have found where intersect, where creativity intersects, you know, things of the spirit. And I've, the way I've said it before is that creativity is inherently spiritual. 
And mm-hmm. healthy spirituality will always be expressed through creativity. Ooh, you know? That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I think you do that in the, the idea, kind of along the idea of, of helping others to be able to do that, right, is the breath in the clay. Can you unpack that a little bit, right? Like, tell us what that is, how that came to be, where that came from, kind of all of that. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so I'm I'm smiling here because I love telling this story, but we started the Breath in the Clay, my wife and I, Sarah, we started the Breath in the Clay all the way back in 2014. Oh, and wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's <gasps> I didn't been... <laughs> realize that. That's well, amazing. Yeah. Well, it really, it really didn't get off the ground until 2016, but the inception of it and some smaller local things we were doing at the time started that far back. I didn't even realize it either. At the time, mm. I was touring professionally with a band that I started called Songs of Water, and I was pursuing music as a full-time career, but I just had this this thing in me that said, you know, there's something else. There's there's something more, not over against music, but but something more. And I just had this feeling that I had to help other artists discover what it is inside of them. I, I, I just had oh, this desire yeah. to not only do my own art, but to help others discover what was inside of them. And so I had a pastor friend of mine who lives in Winston-Salem, uh, right here where we are. And Winston-Salem is called the City of Arts and Innovation. And so he said, you know, I really want to do something for the artist in our city. Would you consider? And I said, yes. Oh. <laughs> you know, oh. before he even got the words out of his mouth. And so uh, Sarah and I just came up with the name, The Breath and the Clay. We, we thought it really highlighted that intersection between art, faith, and culture, you know, between mm-hmm. the spiritual and the creative. And so we just, we threw on this event. We had no idea what we were doing. We hardly knew how to spell the word event at the time. And the <laughs> first one we did way back when had about a hundred people that came out, most of them local. And I didn't know that it would grow into something else, but people emailed me throughout the year. Hey, are you guys going to do another one? And so 2015 came and about 200 people showed up to this thing. And after that, a good friend of mine, John Mark McMillan, he's a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. He, he came to me and he said, he said, Stephen, I think you need to pay attention to this. I don't think you're doing local events, but I think you're stewarding something. And so I said, okay, I'll, I'll keep my ear to the ground on this. But long story short, we continued doing these and a community started forming around this. The next year turned into 400 people. The next year turned oh. into 600 people. And so by the end of this thing, there were people coming to Winston-Salem each year from all over the world. People were flying here from Canada, from Australia, and different parts of the United States. And a whole community of people were gathering around to help pull this off. We started doing retreats several times mm. during the year. And and so we kind of stumbled into that stewardship. and. And then eventually, you know, it grew into the one of the main things we were doing and Makers and Mystics podcast came out of it as a way to, originally, if you go all the way back to mm-hmm. season one, it's really just keynotes from our event. I didn't even know, I didn't know what a podcast was really. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I figured it out as I was going along, mm-hmm. you know, but. As but, we do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a bit about it. It was, it was really born out of, of, of that experience. I love that. I love just how organic um, its formation was and how, and really hearing you talk about the ways that you stewarded this nudge Mm -hmm. and these opportunities or just the ways that it started to grow. Like it doesn't sound like it's something like it, it sounds like something where, where you showed up, you held the space Mm -hmm. and then just watched as it as it grew into something that was beyond what you had originally thought it would be. Very um, much so. <laughs> that's, I feel like that right there is something that we can all be reminded of and is important for each of us. Just thinking of the ways that we show up to steward what is ours to do and then just kind of surrender mm-hmm. in a way that, you know, God or, or whomever, whatever, you know, steps in and just we see the ways that it just flourishes beyond mm-hmm. what we had originally anticipated. 
Exactly. And, you know, really what that spoke to me was what an intense interest there was to explore these intersections of, of how art and faith and culture connect or how spirituality and creativity connect. And man, what an incredible journey it's been since then and, and just seeing all kinds of different art forms and perspectives come together and just go after something, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and one of the things that I think was fun too, when I looked at the last one, I really wish I had joined the virtual offering that y'all did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those, yeah, I, I really wish I had joined, but I did see that y'all actually had Rivers and Robots in that yes. mix. <laughs> and I don't know if you if you know this or not, but they are like our intro music for the show <laughs> is their song Fall Down. Oh, nice. So, I didn't know that. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah. They, we've had them on the show before talking about music and faith. And they're just, I know that they, they don't continue to make music together, but they are a great, great group of guys. Yes. So, you know, yeah. fun, fun story about yeah. them is that the Breath in the Clay was their final concert. I and know. I, <laughs> yeah, you know, I know, it was just so special. I didn't even know that when, when we brought them in and, and when we connected, but it just made it all the more special. Yeah, huh. I know. I know. I'm thankful. My daughter and I got to see them in Austin. It mm. probably was just before, like within a month or two before they made the announcement. It was, must yeah. have been right before they performed with y'all. But um, mm. yeah, anyways. <laughs> well, you 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 started talking about how you know Makers and Mystics is – it kind of came out of the breath and the clay. Can you – Tell us a little bit about like what this show has meant to you and how have you seen it serve your listeners through this show in ways that, you know, maybe similarly like are beyond what you had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have watched Makers and Mystics grow over the years and even as I've developed in being a podcast host and producer, you know. I've learned more about how to facilitate conversations. Even recently, I've found myself studying Larry King and all these different interviewers for different Mm -hmm. interview styles and things like that. It really is an art form to me as well. But it's also given me the opportunity to hear from people that, you know, couldn't come to an in-person event or people that I couldn't hear from in another way. And it's also because we have a creative collective that, is a part of the podcast where I'm doing some creative coaching with artists and we're doing, you know, we do book clubs every other month and just places to connect with the artists of our community and hear from them. So I get a lot of my guests by recommendation from the listeners and from the Mm. patrons of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask them, what's on your heart? What's going on with you? What would be helpful for you in this season of your life? Who do you want to hear from? And so it's a real collaborative effort in that way. And, you know, I've I've so appreciated the emails from people that I get a lot who just tell me what a certain guest meant to them or how, you know, they were struggling with this thing and this particular episode just really spoke into their pain point or really spoke into what they were going through. And mm-hmm. it's it's just been beautiful. It's I've met some of my best friends through having them on the show and just starting a realizing that we were on a similar path and continue the relationship. So it's, it's, I guess, an extension of community in this weird world of what does even community mean these days? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Just again, related with everything you just said in terms of how this show developed and then uh, the idea of hearing from listeners, either things that were really important to them, were really helpful to them, or I mean, just the way that that it does turn into or like evolves into more community type things, which because people, you know, they'll send, oh, this person and this person. Holly actually started out as a guest on the show, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which was recommended by a previous guest on the show that I had had. Right, so like all these connections and and just the way that that grows is so cool and is such an interesting thing to think about. You know, obviously, twenty years ago or something, right? You go, oh, I don't know, it's this weird, it's an internet radio show that you can listen to whenever, <laughs> like, and people would be like, what are you talking about, right? But the way that that has shaped and, and grown connections and communities and I don't know I think there's something really special about just utilizing new tools and mediums to be able to do that 
kind of mm-hmm. organic community building type of thing, even if it maybe partially was kind of stumbled into by accident. Yes, exactly. And I, I think podcasts are kind of like books, you know, mm. it's, it's, you know, some people were afraid that books would go away when Kindle came around, you know, some people thought, well, YouTube is going to make audio podcast obsolete, but, <laughs> but that's not true. That's not any more truer than the escalator took away our need for stairs. You know, right. it's like, it's like the audio podcast, you know, our listeners are probably washing dishes or washing clothes or driving a car right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. it's just, it's a really perennial way of connecting, I think. Yeah. yeah I love uh-huh. that. I love that. That's so good. Well, speaking of podcasting, um, you did, I know you recently had a series, I think it was maybe two back, like I think you just finished series 10 or season 10, Mm -hmm. and I think it was during season nine that you had this series on the mental health of the artist. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that you, you, I mean, I know on the episode that I had the privilege of getting to join you and talking about this a bit, you were, uh, you know, a bit more transparent about this, this series. And I think the episode that preceded it, that you are a bit more transparent about the series coming out of your own need to tend to your own personal well-being mm-hmm. and seeing how this intersection between art and mental health kind of they just how they are connected. Yes. So I've loved getting to listen back through that. And in fact, I would encourage our listeners like go back to season nine because there are a lot of really good, enriching, deep conversations uh, with individuals and with the panels that you you know brought on mm-hmm. talking about this. But I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about, you know, maybe just starting with like, how did this series emerge to the degree that you feel comfortable sharing? Sure. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about well, how, I, what led up to it. Yeah. I started the whole series so that I could just interview you on the show. That's really. Ah, what... You are very funny, my friend. No, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I knew you had this amazing book coming oh my out. Gosh. And I was like, how, how can I get a free copy of this book? You know? Oh. Like, so. No, I have no. a couple. I could have sent you one. You should have. You're so started. funny. I know. Yeah. <laughs> you are no. very funny, Stephen. Yeah. Well, no, I'm laughing, but I mean, the truth of it is, Holly, is that a few years ago, I went through a really dark time in my life, and mm. there were just a lot of things happening internally in me that I couldn't resolve. I couldn't find my way through. You know, some personal things that I won't go into here. Part of it was dealing with the grief of of losing both of my parents only a few mm. months apart and just a lot of things that built and built and built and so by the time that the pandemic hit our whole world was turned upside down you know in a matter of minutes you know we lost everything that we had spent years building and really just didn't know where anything was going and you know as things progressed I just realized I had to step away and and deal with things that were happening in my heart. Uh, several friends really encouraged me to step away, get some counseling, and so that's what I did. I laid mm. everything down um, because it was too much for me. The pace that I had been keeping was almost so crazy. I mean, I was mm-hmm. traveling around the world, uh, speaking here, performing here. I was leading the arts organization here. I was still trying to be a good husband and a good father. Just all these things. It, it just, you know, I burned out and uh, just mm-hmm. <laughs> didn't make the most awesome choices in my life. And so I, I needed to step aside. So that's what I did. I stepped aside. I did go get some counseling and I started focusing on my faith. I started focusing on my marriage, focusing on being a father and slowly just rebuilding and, and reestablishing the foundations of my life. But what I learned is that I wasn't the only one that had that kind of story that happened through that time and you know even though all of our stories are unique and we could all sit around the campfire and and share the traumatic things that we went through and I know some people flourished during the pandemic other people lost everything so you know but when I really felt it was time to re-engage the work that we were doing it only made sense to me 
that we would focus on mental, emotional, and spiritual health for the artists because mm. not only was that what I needed, not only, you know, they say write what you know, so it's what I knew. <laughs> it's yeah. what I had walked out in my own life. And so as I started doing that series, people just came from everywhere just saying, thank you so much for hosting these conversations. I don't feel alone anymore. Uh, I've finally found, found somewhere I can connect and talk about some of the difficult things I'm going through. And it, and it just realized I had hit a nerve that really, you know, especially with artists and people in the entertainment industry, I mean, talk about, you know, traveling musicians whose livelihood depended on touring yeah. and suddenly yep. they can't do anything. What do you do anymore? And the stories just go on and on and on. And, and really, I could probably still be continuing the series on that um, now because there's just still so much need. And we, we went from focusing on mental health to what I called restoration for the heart of the artist, which the intent of that was to begin reestablishing healthy practices that, mm -hmm. you know, can keep us going forward in, in healthy whole ways so that, you know, we don't have to burn out. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. I so appreciate your attention to this intersection, especially for the artist and even remembering the ways in which, like you said, like we're all engaged in creativity in one way, shape, or form, mm -hmm. um, regardless if we're a faith leader or, you know, a mental health care provider or, you know, a parent or you know, all the things, podcaster, whatever. But yes. Um, but I really appreciate you sharing kind of what led you to that and the mm -hmm. ways in which, again, you stewarded that nudge to be like, okay, I'm going to open up the space and see what happens with it. And then for you to get that feedback and response from your listeners, I think is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It really has, I think, strengthened the creative community around, you know, what so many of us are doing. And I just think one of the main things everybody felt through the pandemic was that isolation. And, uh, you know, and even <laughs> we said earlier, what does even community mean these mm -hmm. days? And yeah. I think that just having a common ground where people could come together and say, okay, I'm not crazy. And if I am crazy, I'm crazy in good company. So we're okay. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess following up on this, I mean, you, you've shared a little bit about how your, how your community responded to the episodes, but are there some things that you, that really kind of stand out from the guests that you had in that season? Like, I mean, I know you had Dan Allender in there. You had a mm -hmm. number of uh, folks on your panels who would talk about their experiences at this intersection as well. Like, what are some things that you feel comfortable sharing about what you, you learned from your guests in that season? Yeah, well, you mentioned Dan Allender, and that really was a pivotal episode for me. And I had the privilege yeah, was, of getting, yeah. It was, a, it was a real good one. Oh, that was a good one. Yes. I know. I was like, okay, maybe I should just stop the podcast now. Let's yeah, just, yeah. We, <laughs> you know, but I had the opportunity to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with Dan, just talking with him about some of my own experiences during that time also. And so it meant a lot just to hear him speak to the broader community and I said it earlier, Holly, but I really mean it. The episode that I did with you as well and Aww. what you share in Soul of the Helper and just the seven ways that you talked about with me, you know, the seven different steps that we talked about. Um. All of that was so enriching to me. And mm. I've gone back and listened to those episodes, uh, your episode, Dan's episode, some of the other ones that we we had on multiple times and just writing notes in my journal and just revisiting and, and, and prayerfully engaging the, the wisdom that everybody shared. And that is an encouragement I would have, um, you know, for people, it, not just on my podcast, but any yours and others that are really speaking to these things, write it down and, and listen to it again. You miss so much mm -hmm. on the first listen. It's, yeah. it's you know, so uh, again, it really was motivated by, um, my own journey, my own journey toward healing and wholeness in my life, and just wanting to extend that to other people in their own unique ways. And 
so yeah, it was it was fun. I'm I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful. Uh, well, I'm grateful too. I loved the episodes, and I really was deeply honored to get to be in the the mix of those conversations that you had. So thank you mm-hmm. again for the opportunity. Well, you just have to write another book now. So you do it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, that's what I'm hearing, but you know, one day at a time, as mm-hmm. we do, right? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm curious throughout, obviously, those conversations, that series, and then even you were talking about some of your own personal experiences there, and and all of that, right? Are there some specific ways that you've come to see mental health and creativity overlap and influence each other, and and that type of thing? Mm. I love this question, and that's one that I am still exploring in yeah. in a in a pretty big way because, I mean, you know, historically, we have equated creativity and mental health. You know, we we think of figures like, well, creativity and mental illness. I should say when we think of people like Van Gogh or Sylvia Plath or maybe even Kurt Cobain. Sure, and the tortured artist be, kind of. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It could it could make us think. Well, the best art comes from those who are mentally disturbed, or mm. like you said, that stereotype of the tortured artist. And you know, and of course, some exceptional work has come from artists whose lives were a bit of a mess. But I don't think that mental unhealth is a prerequisite for creating great art. In fact, I think it's just the opposite. You know, I mean, because I mean, really. What a twisted, dark irony to think that I have to be, I have to live a self destructive life to be creative. It just doesn't, the logic doesn't Uh check out. And so, you know, in my life, I've found that when we seek to treat our lives as a work of art, I think that's a quote from Abraham Joshua Heschel. You know, he said, We must above all seek to live our lives as if it were a work of art. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. When we do that and when we can take care of ourselves and look after those deep inner places of our hearts, our spiritual lives, our emotional health, our relationships, I think then we get all the more freer to create works of art that aren't so preoccupied with our own our own neediness. And mm. you know, in in some ways maybe we we don't have to spew our pathologies on our audience or seek to make therapists out of our audience but instead we can become wounded healers through our art mm-hmm. we can we can you know walk through the pain through our creative process and then create art that becomes an agent of healing for other people and so those are some things that i think about when you ask you know how does creativity and mental health connect i think as artists and especially as artists of faith we have a responsibility to tend to our own souls, to tend mm. to our own inner life in such a way that, that we can progress um, and help others. We're, we're going through currently, at the time of this recording, we're going through Viktor Frankl's book, Yes to Life, In Spite of Everything. Mm. If you guys mm. are familiar with, with Viktor Frankl. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Yes. And- if, if the, yeah. yeah, if there's a patron saint of the inner life, despite your outer world, uh-huh. <laughs> yes. it's it's him, and he he talks a lot about that in in that book, um, about how despite and over against horrendous exterior circumstances, the one thing that we can cultivate is our inner response, you know, and um, I think that plays out in the life of the artist very well. That's yeah, so good. Yeah. I think one thing I, I was just going to throw out real quick, just to harken back to the beginning, where you were talking about how how we seem to equate pain, painful experiences, with being good at creativity or something like that, right? And I think maybe that's a a, a the wrong correlation there, right? I think maybe the creativity, at least for me, and it seems like anecdotally for others, is a a good way to process through pain and a good way to mm-hmm. like turn that into something. But mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that that it has like only only painful things can be the the ground for for art to grow, right? So yes. I think maybe yeah. you just got the correlation, you know, a little a little janky there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that you know, obviously, so many creative works, so many great creative works, even in my own life, they do come out of processing pain through your art. But I know years ago, 
I used to think, well, what happens to the poet when he gets healed? Mm-hmm. Mm. I, I was really nervous, genuinely nervous, that if I found healing in my life, that my poetry would be reduced to Hallmark greeting cards or, mm. <laughs> you know, something oh like goodness. that. Yeah, but, right. Yeah. But I've discovered that, you know, creativity can be born out of joy as much as pain and and really the full range of human experience. And, and that's something that I champion in our work is is exploring and expressing the full range of human emotion through our creative works. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. Thank you for talking about that explicitly and how it really is a space for that whole range of human experiences and emotions and it's mm-hmm. not just, you know, yes, bent towards one side. Exactly. So that leads me to, so I have to tell you, I love the way that you end each episode. And I know you just posted about <laughs> this on Instagram, but mm. it is like my, I mean, I'm going to get teary just Aww. reading it. I love it so, so much, Stephen. Um, mm. So you conclude each episode with the phrase, um, keep creating, the world needs your art. Mm-hmm. And so- for me to step back with my shaky voice for a moment, I would really love for you to just unpack this line. Like what, tell me about your heart behind this line. And um, and I hope you receive, you know, these tears that I have right now, just mm. as the, the depth of what this line offers yes. to your listeners. Oh my gosh. Well, that means so much to me to hear you say that because it's probably the truest, most heartfelt thing that I could say. It's it's by mm. far not just a tagline, a clever tagline, but it's really a mantra at this yeah. point. You know, 200 episodes in, it's a yeah. bit of a mantra, you know? And it's twofold for me because on the one hand, I want to help liberate artists to recognize that freedom that we have, as I said before, to explore the full range of our human experience, the full range of of what we experience. But I also really want to silence the voice of that inner critic that I think comes after all of us, especially in this somewhat celebrity culture that we can find ourselves in where we are comparing ourselves to this person or to that person or this thing or that Mm -hmm. thing and Mm -hmm. you know is our art worth it if we don't have a gazillion followers or like you said earlier if i'm not doing this professionally does that invalidate my work Mm. and the absolute the answer is absolutely not you know and i think that whether we are a professional artist or just or just learning to to create the world does need our art we are and mm-hmm. and this just leans into my spiritual conviction that really at the core of it we've been designed to be co-creators with god to when jesus talked about bringing heaven to earth i think it's through the creative process that we participate yeah. in that and whatever way we bring truth goodness and beauty to the world that's the art that the world needs and you know an example dorothy day i'm sure you guys are familiar with her yes you know social worker here yes, yes. there you go i thought i, I, I thought right. i dropped dorothy day yeah, for I you love there it. you know <laughs> but i i read where she used to put paintings of beautiful landscapes all over the orphanages and all over the buildings where she worked, she wanted beauty to be there because she recognized that it changed the atmosphere. It changed Mm. the morale of the people she was working with. And I've read similar things about architecture and how even the shape of a building or the color of a building, all of these things contribute to what we experience in, in life. And so the encouragement to keep creating the world needs your art is really just a way to say, come on, keep going, no matter what. You gotta create it, you gotta do it, you gotta keep going. It's important. It, if it means something to you, it will mean something to someone else. And it just silences that inner critic that says, what is, a, I mentioned Van Gogh earlier, I'll bring him back again, but if you hear a voice that says you can't paint, then by all means paint and the voice will go away, you know? Yeah, gosh, that's so good. Thank you. I mean, (laughs) 
Yeah, I I really I I really appreciate that you weave that into each episode and I I appreciate the the nudge that you are offering to your listeners similarly to how we were talking about earlier like just going back with this thread of nudges and what they they do and um and how they have this bigger effect I think than we may realize um initially mm-hmm. but this line is a powerful one and so mm. I, I want to encourage you to keep speaking it over you know the folks who are listening to your episodes because it it really does matter mm-hmm. so thank mm-hmm. you for offering it to us well I'm going to say it to you guys then keep creating mm. because the world needs your art the world needs these conversations <laughs> that you're having on this podcast and I so reciprocate and appreciate the work you're doing it's it's been an encouragement to me and I know for so many others as well Thank you. I um, really appreciate that, Stephen. Mm. Yeah. So one question that we love to ask people when they come on is because obviously you're making uh, podcasts and music and all sorts of other stuff, right? And so I'm curious, what is kind of on a, a broad scale or maybe even a specific scale, right? What's your hope for all the work that you're doing? Mm. Wow. This is a small question, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Teeny tiny. Yeah, yeah that's right. Small, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, I think my hope is to create a space where individuals and creative communities around the world can find support and encouragement to continue their work. And it's so easy to get discouraged these days. It's so easy to get isolated in our own little silos. But through this work, my hope is to strengthen and encourage the creative community around the world, you know, to keep going, to connect that what we're doing matters, that the work we're mm-hmm. creating matters, and that, you know, the end of the story, if if you're if you're still wrestling through something, then the story's not over yet. Don't give up. Let's keep going. And so I think that my hope, I've I've said it before, is to liberate that that creative spark inside of us, and my hope is to help empower artists to to feel validated in the fullness of their experience, especially in faith communities. I think sometimes we feel like everything has to be happy or tied up with a little bow, or this is too dark mm. to deal with. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with that one. Yeah. No, my my hope is to to express that everything we go through in life can heal into art and everything that we go through in life can then become healing for other people no matter how dark it may have been we can really heal into art and so my hope from here is to continue encouraging building community within faith communities and to build bridges with artists who are not part of the faith community and that's something that is a core value for me is to hear from voices that have different perspectives and build bridges where no bridges have been in the past. And so if I can do that in some small way, I'll, I'll think that I would have, I would have done my work. Oh, that's so good. It really, and it so comes out in the work that you do, Stephen. Mm, So yeah, thank you. Especially I love that liberating the creative spark within (laughs) like, oh man, so good. Mm-hmm. Well, this season we're we're adding one additional question that we haven't before to you know right before we give folks all the links to where they can connect with you. But um, one question that we want to ask before we wrap up is, what is serving your soul these days? Mm. That's a good question. Two well, thoughts. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is serving my soul? Mm. Um, I think it's important to know where we can go to find blessing. We all need to to find that and encouragement. Mm-hmm. I, a couple things come to mind. One, I just read Nick Cave's book, Faith, Hope, and Carnage, and mm. by Nick Cave and Sean O'Hagan. And we're gonna, in fact, we're gonna do that in our next book club. Is is to go through this book, Faith, Hope, and Carnage, by Nick Cave. And then I just started the audiobook of Rick Rubin. He's the music producer. Rick Rubin's book on the creative act. And those two books have been really amazing for me and insightful. Um, But one other thing I should probably mention as far as what's feeding my soul these days is I have this practice that every January I do what I call a 21-day reset. Mm. 
and I just finished it because today uh-huh. is yeah you know yeah. so I'm I'm back in the land of the living. Uh-huh. <laughs> but for the first three weeks of the year, I cut out alcohol. I cut out too much coffee. I cut out meat. I I give intentional time for daily prayer and reflection. And I journal every day and I try to cultivate attentiveness. And I really just go after the things that I that I say I believe and that I want to enact in my life. And I just get intentional. I reflect on the previous year and then I look toward where I want to go in this year. And it's something that I've done probably for 10 years or more at this at oh, this, wow. at this point. You yeah. Know? And so that has proven to be such in a, a rich practice for me i always dread going into it <laughs> and then mm-hmm. by the end of it i don't want to quit it's like yeah. i don't want to stop and so it it really has you know fed me uh tremendously and this year it's kind of fun because uh, my kids, Sarah, my wife, and then my kids wanted to do this with me in some way. And so my daughter was like, yeah, I'm only going to eat sweets on the weekend, you know, for the next couple of weeks and just stuff like that. And uh, just really being intentional with, you know, um, our lives. And so that's that's been really nourishing for me. That is awesome. Oh, well, thank you for sharing those. I'm going to try to find each of those books and make sure that I throw them into the show notes too for mm-hmm. any listener who wants to check them out. But for our listeners, uh, you are welcome to connect with the show at cxmhpodcast.com or on any social media at cxmhpodcast. Uh, you can connect with Robert Bohr at robert-bohr.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Robert Bohr. You can connect with me at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at hollyoxhandler. And for folks, you need to be checking out Stephen's work. And so the I'm going to point you all to a few places. You can check out makersandmystics.com to learn more about his podcast that we were talking about or at Makers and Mystics. Um, on any social media. That's the primary place to find him. But you can also learn more about The Breath and the Clay at the, the website, um, thebreathandtheclay.com, or um, at The Breath and the Clay on social media. We also want to encourage you all to check out his book, Naming the Animals, which is just, I loved this book. It's such a delightful little book. And I'm, I know we didn't get in into it too much, but I'm just going to point folks to go check it out because um, it really is a wonderful. I mean, it's it's short too, which makes me feel better because I can read it. It doesn't take months for me to read it, um, but it is such a deep, deeply nourishing book around this intersection around creativity and faith. So, um, so that said, Stephen, do you? Well, first of all, thank you again so much for joining us. This really was yeah. a gift yeah. to get to be here with you. Such an honor. Thank you, thank you. Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners today? Keep creating (laughs) because the world needs your art. (laughs) Oh my gosh, of course. Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH Podcast at gmail.com. 